0: I like to say after the fires, you know, we went into our fire relief, maybe thinking God was going to use the fires to bring the community to church. And what we discovered was God was using the fires to bring the church back to the community.
1: Welcome to the wellspring soul care podcast i'm your host richard gotthard and at wellspring soul care we deeply desire to see pastors leaders and others really all of us lead and serve god out of a well-tended inner life we know that life is challenging these days and the pressures and expectations that we live with can squeeze out space for a well-tended inner life and we exist to come alongside and help people pay attention to the most important part of us, our inner life, our soul. So on our podcast, we talk to authors, pastors, thought leaders, and others who are seeking to practice life and ministry in the ways of Jesus. So today we get to talk with Adam Peacock. He's Soul Care alumni, Soul Care being our nine-month cohort that we do each year for the last 15 years to come alongside pastors and others to do the very thing we're talking about, help them tend to their inner life, Adam is a Soul Care alumni, but was a pastor in Santa Rosa from 2002 to 2017 at City Life Fellowship, but then left that church in order to start a ministry, an organization called Feathervine. It's designed to and intended to uh, collaborate with and unite local churches in an order to address some of the big issues facing Sonoma County. Of course, they've dealt with huge issues there recently, major wildfires that deeply impacted the city and uh, the pandemic and other issues. And so Feather Vines had a crucial role to play in Adam as the head of it. We'll talk about that, but especially we're going to talk about this ministry that Adam has developed. It's about walking. It's about walking and being outdoors with the intention of paying attention, paying attention to ourselves, to our senses, to nature, and to God. It's an amazing practice, got to do it a bit myself. Adam has some resources that we're going to make available to you on our show notes. I think you're going to find this both very practical and helpful and encourage you to not only listen, but give it a try and see how God meets you. Please enjoy our conversation with Adam Peacock. Adam Peacock, it is so great to sit down and get to talk today a little bit and Hear a little bit about your journey and um, and about journeying. Actually, we'll get to that a little bit later, but first, just you know, kind of where did you grow up, and then and then kind of skipping ahead, how did you end up in pastoral ministry?
0: Yeah. So first of all, thank you for the opportunity to sit down. I've been looking forward to this. Um, I was born and raised in Santa Rosa, California, up in Sonoma County. So have lived in the Bay Area almost my whole life except for uh, a brief stint away for college um
1: where'd you go to school by the way
0: i went to ucla for college nice. so yeah so oh, i brewing. actually had a, a great yeah i had a great time uh at college there but i knew right away when i graduated i wanted to be back up here in the bay area and so um it was a great experience but definitely not home for me in that way. So yeah. So, um, yeah, lifelong resident here in the Bay area. Um, my parents, uh, owned a business right when I was born, it was like a flower business. But Mm. when I was young, probably two years old transitioned into ministry. My, both my parents were saved in the Jesus movement. Mm. And, um, so, really, uh, by the time I was kind of conscious and aware of the fact that my parents had jobs and, you know, what was going on in life, they were already well into ministry. And so I grew up as a a preacher's kid. Um, and in, in my dad's case, uh, he traveled a lot from church to church speaking. So more of an itinerant ministry type of situation. And so, um, from a young age, I saw a broad spectrum of the body of Christ and, um, and, and, you know, really appreciated. My parents did a great job of creating uh, a sense of appreciation for, uh, different expressions of worship and different types of churches. And, and that has served me really for my whole life and certainly mm. helped me with what I'm doing now. So, um,
1: and it was positive. So it sounds like, one faith and even the church was a, that was a positive experience growing up.
0: Yeah, it it really was. It certainly wasn't perfect, and I saw a lot of things. But I think two things happened. One, um, you know, my my parents did a good job of they they weren't dishonest about what was going on, but they did a good job of um, you know being honoring of different approaches and. Uh, being honest about challenges that were going on. And somehow in the midst of all of that, they really helped me understand that the church wasn't a perfect place, mm-hmm. but also that it was an important place for people to to grow in, in walking out um, what it is to be a Christian, a follower mm. of Jesus. Um, the other thing I'd just say is, you know, um, from a pretty young age, I had personal encounters with God that helped anchor my faith. And so um yeah, I'm just really blessed to be able to say that um you know I, I wasn't just kind of writing the coattails of my mm. parents' faith, but um, you know, in a growing way, in a journeying way, was uh recognizing um you know, my, the importance of my own personal relationship with God and, um, and learning how to get a sense of, of God's voice and, um, and seeing, uh, God's hand at work in my life. So by the time I finished, uh, college, I had a sense that I also wanted to go into ministry. Um, my, uh, dad had the capacity within the ministry that he was running to bring me onto staff. Okay. So that was great. And, and, you know, I took on in that season, I think uh, it was a time where a whole focus of the ministry that, that my dad was doing included kind of messages around generational transfer and this sense of, um, look, children don't have to rebel and leave home. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. And, And so I started working with a a sort of leadership training, Christian worldview, you know, helping uh, high school, college, -college, post-college men and women uh, get a sense of how to connect their desire to find their purpose in life with... um, Having a growing faith and and really making an impact wow. uh, in regards to their
1: faith, and this was right out of college. Yeah, so. right out of college, wow.
0: and so uh, I I went through graduation on a Sunday and jumped on the airplane and Monday morning was doing a conference in Nashville. So.
1: Wow. <laughs> it was, okay. It was a pretty quick transition. Straight to it. Yeah. yeah. And 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 how long were you in that season of ministry? Eight years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And
0: and it was. Um, It was, again, it was another expression for me of getting exposed to a broad cross-section of the body Mm. of Christ. And um, at that time, there was an international expansion uh, with the ministry. And so I got to travel to New Zealand on a yearly Mm. basis, seven years in a row. It's where I met my wife. Oh, grateful to have a Kiwi bride. And, And so we expanded into New Zealand and Australia, which of course has some other cultural expressions. And then we also expanded into Western Europe. And so I'd mm. go to Switzerland every year, France, Italy area, um, and we translated the work that I was doing into French and German. And so that was great because I, I got to see that um not everyone thinks like Americans mm. and that that Christianity transcended American culture as well. And that there are other ways of pursuing, you know, our faith in other cultural contexts. All of those things have continued to serve me, I think really significantly. Yeah. So yeah. really grateful for that. Um, I got married in 2001 and it was right in that same, uh, year that, um, I was invited to become the senior pastor of a church in Santa Rosa and, mm-hmm the timing of that felt really significant being newly married. I was not as excited about traveling a bunch. I wanted to be home and see our family established. And so I said yes to that new role. And, um, that was fantastic because, um, you know, I, I really have a heart for community and, um, probably, you know, in the, the, evangel I know I'm not trying to pit evangelism and discipleship against one another, mm. but it does seem like sometimes a, a, a leader may be geared more towards evangelism or more towards discipleship. And I definitely was geared a little more in the discipleship, mm. uh, side of things. And I loved the, the chance as a pastor to come alongside a group of people. I had been doing a correspondence ministry type of thing or a traveling ministry type of thing. So you know, I I love the, what I was doing and what I got to experience, but I, I miss that chance of doing life with others quite that same way. And Mm. so, uh, that I loved that. Uh, I love that about pastoring uh, of coming alongside people doing life together and, and, um, you know, being part of that, that long obedience in the same direction, right. That we experience, uh, connected in a community of faith. And so, Pastored for 15 years uh, in at that same City church? Of Santa Rosa at that same church. Okay, and um, you know some of the the things that happened that I think would be significant. One is that uh, even though I'd lived for many years in Santa Rosa, I'd traveled a lot. A lot of my ministry was outside of that area.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The focus was outside of that area, and so even though I'd lived there, I don't know that I really had a significant connection to place.
1: Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. It,
0: was, it was home, but it wasn't my mission field. And it wasn't, I don't know, I just wasn't as connected to place that way. And so in the process of pastoring for 15 years, suddenly where I lived became home, that connection mm. to place. And and frankly, I think when we look at spiritual formation, when we look at um, our our whole life development, place is huge for yeah. us. And so that opened some significant doors in my heart and my life uh, for my own relationship with God and for understanding the connection between place and ministry.
1: Yeah, that's uh, a, it seems like it's one of those things that, well, I mean, for, for much of human history, we were, we were, we weren't so mobile and, Uh, and, and itinerant. And now, you know, that's become much more Normalized, and yet there is a something, especially even in, as you say in scripture, about a rootedness. Yes, rootedness to a place and a and a people within that place. And yeah, it sounds like that was a a rich uh, aspect of it for you.
0: It was, and I'm I'm continuing to learn so much uh, mm. in that element. You know, for me, um, theology is so important to me. You know, I mm. love the scripture and and like to try and understand. You know. Uh, what the Bible uh, opens for us to understand Mm -hmm. these and, and, you know, in the, the Genesis account of how everything came to be, you know, you see God uh, creating a place, forming a place Mm -hmm. before he fills the place. right? Mm -hmm. And there's that match, there's this realm, and this is, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about this later on, but there's, you know, this pattern of, Uh, forming a place then filling that place with the life that matches it Mm. and then you know blessing them in that element of movement so you know the 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 heavens are created the skies are created then it's filled with birds and the birds move in that sky in a Mm. unique way as they fly and the seas are created and filled with fish and they move in their own unique way as they swim and um so again you know skipping ahead but but this element that uh we're designed for place and place is designed for us mm. and um and um and so that was really really key for me and then I, I got to take um you know the broader experiences growing up when i was pastoring in terms of appreciation of the the variety in the body of christ and utilize that to to maybe be more active than some in building relationship with other churches and, and trying to Uh, encourage collaboration and service uh, in the body of Christ. And, and so that was a a key element for me in my pastoral work as well. And I had an unexpected and kind of abrupt transition in ministry into what I'm doing now. And that, um, I had a, I don't know if it's the right word, but you know, a a more mystical (laughs) type of experience, Mm. uh, certainly, Mm you know, it was a prayer experience, but where in an unexpected way. I wasn't asking for this, but I really, uh, you know, felt like I heard God clearly. It it wasn't an audible voice, but it was a clear voice that, um, he had a change for me. He had a transition from what I had been doing pastorally and it wasn't, Hey, go here. It was more step away in faith and, Mm. you know, let me lead you into what is next. And, um, that was a crossroads moment for me, you know. I think that yeah. I had had um, a lot of open doors, a lot of assuredness, a lot of security uh, in my life and in my ministry up to that point, and so this was being called into a liminal space,
1: yeah, and an unknown. I mean, that yeah. it sounds like. I mean, we haven't we haven't um, talked too much about, but it sounds like overall the the church, the pastoring experience was was good, was positive. It wasn't yeah. like you were like, I, I'm bored or I'm unhappy or I'm being pushed out. It was going well, it sounds like. And yeah. then and then to be sensing God's calling you out of that space into something unknown, that's, that's scary.
0: It was. And um, it was a big challenge. And I give my wife so much credit, you know, to make that Uh, journey with me, but also the elders uh, Mm. of the church and uh, my family, the congregation. I think my toughest week in all of ministry in my whole life was calling every family in the congregation and Mm. saying, Hey, you know, I'm, I feel like God's called me and this is the direction we're going. That was quite emotional. Yeah. Such deep connections. And so it certainly wasn't perfect. I certainly wasn't the perfect pastor, but, um, but yeah this was was one of those things that was not forced upon me it was something where I, I felt led out in that way um, but it was formative hmm. it was really formative for me and ultimately, so this was um, the end of 2016 into 2017 okay. I made that transition and um you know I had had a little bit of space to really press into God to listen to to maybe um, get some, perspective. And, um, and then the fires hit, Mm. um, in Sonoma County, these historic fires from October of 2017. And what emerged was, was really being thrust into the ministry that I'm doing now, which, you know, you talk to the pastors in our city and they're like, well, of course, Adam's doing this. Not Mm -hmm. that they're saying they saw it all along, but when I was pastoring, as I said, I was I was already bent towards building unity. I was bent towards collaboration and and outreach together uh, towards the city as churches. Um, and you know, the grace of God in that situation and and you know, I hear it over and over again, wow, you know, God knew the fires were coming. Hmm. And you know he he set you apart so that you're you were not needing to focus on a congregation. You could focus on responding uh, in, in bringing us together, you know, as churches to, to meet the needs of the community.
1: Give us one, a little bit of a sense of the scope of what yeah. those fires impact were at that time, at least that the the first yeah. round. Look and then, right. and then, um, and then the scope of, of the churches and the community coming together to respond.
0: Yeah. So, um, in October of 2017, uh, we had what was at that point the most destructive wildfires in California history. Mm. So in a single night, 5,000 homes, over wow. 5,000 homes in, um, Sonoma County were destroyed. Wow. It was actually two distinct fires, uh, mm. both raging at the same time, the Tubbs fire and the Nuns fire. So that was a massive disaster mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and had so many implications um, to it for our community. And, you know, the, the fires were still burning while the church was starting to respond. They I think they wow. they burned for over 20 days mm-hmm. uh, in Sonoma County. Um, we ended up having over 60 churches. And, and granted, you know, all these these congregations had members in their own congregation that lost their homes. We had multiple congregations that had over 40 families lose homes, Mm. you know, in their congregation there. We had 20 pastors across our County, lose their homes in the fire. So Mm. um, it was an absolute, you know, massive disruption to life uh, as normal. And really because of the subsequent fires that have hit and then the pandemic we haven't had normal life in Sonoma no. County for five years. And, um, so, you know, as the churches came together, we knew that this was, it was a dark time. It was a dark moment. It was a time for the church to shine bright. Mm. And, um, mm. and so pastors needed to be faithful to their congregations. But, uh, the relationships that I, I, had built allowed me to become a, a sort of a bridge builder among the churches and then mm. from the churches into the community And so, um, we, we did a whole host of, uh, different ways of responding to meet needs from the disaster, which in turn opened doors, uh, that continue to just blow me away for ongoing ministry. And so what began as disaster response has now not only been ongoing disaster response, but has transcended into church school partnerships and Mm. foster care outreach and, Mm. Um, even more effective work in in meeting the needs of the homeless and other things like that
1: so yeah I mean beautiful uh, just redemptive and and cooperative work in the midst of just really horrific tragedy like you said all these homes that just overnight were gone and yet churches that had probably never really, at least very seriously worked together. I mean, maybe maybe friendly, I'm guessing, maybe amicable, but but suddenly now we're knit together in a whole different way, it sounds like.
0: Yeah. And I think that we've had a firsthand experience of what it means to say there's certain things we can do together that we can't do alone. Hmm. I think that's so powerful and it, and it, it's really important. You know, ex- what we experience definitely shapes often what we think is possible, or at hmm. least what's pragmatic. And so that has been huge. And we've got a long way to go in Sonoma County, but I do feel like, um, the, the trust among churches is, um, something we've really gained, hmm. uh, learning how to work together and, and learning how to, to, um, maybe have our own individual expressions, but find ways to bridge those in a way that's collaborative. I'll never forget sitting down with the mayor. This was before the fires, but um, it's still a conversation that that I'm reminded of regularly where they said, Adam, it's difficult for a municipality to partner with a church, Hmm. but it's easier than you think for a municipality to partner with 10 churches. Hmm. The problem is we just can't get the 10 churches together. You know, that's not our field.
1: Wow, right. So
0: I'm someone who has the privilege of working to get the 10 churches together. And when we do that, it has been amazing to see some of the doors that have opened
1: to us. You know, I think we talk about in the day, in the time we live in it, particularly in the Bay area where uh, people are less likely to go to church, less likely to think of even uh, think positively about churches. And yet, and yet here's what some amazing examples of, of one, in a time of need and, and crisis, the church stepped up and stepped forward, and that the, the the community saw that, experienced that. And again, one of the criticisms often that churches get is that, well, you guys are always fighting with each other, or you have all these, you know, petty squabbles, if you will, and that they got to see a display of, of unity across, you know, denominational and church lines that. I'm curious, and I know it'd probably be more anecdotal than um, data-driven, so to speak. But I would assume that out of this, you've seen that people have a higher view of church in Sonoma County out of seeing some of this.
0: It is anecdotal, but I would say um, yes, we're seeing that more and more. And it was very, you know, it was very telling that uh, when our shutdown started from the coronavirus pandemic in Sonoma County. It was March of 2020. And within 48 hours, we had a county supervisor reach out to me and say, I want to talk to the pastors. Mm. Um, and that was really the result of the fact that that supervisor, um, their their district was the most uh, impacted by the wildfires. Mm. And he had seen the churches step up in incredibly powerful ways. Mm. And so that began a weekly for a year and a half a weekly dialogue between this County supervisor and faith community leaders. Um, and you know, his, his testimony was look, you know, the community may be shut down, but you're still feeding the, you know, you're still Mm. providing resources to the homeless. You're still feeding those with food insecurity. You're still reaching out to strengthen our social safety net. And so It it opened the door for me to present to the board of supervisors, you know, about what the churches have been involved with and to Mm. begin to lobby about, um, you know, we had early on, we had that essential, non essential type of framework. And for them to see that uh, a church is not just a group of people that meet in a big group once a week in a building uh, in a dangerous configuration that. What we're talking about when we're looking at houses of worship is we're talking about, um, you know, communities of people who are reaching out, who are Mm -hmm. part of our social safety net. Uh, I like to say after the fires, you know, we went into our fire relief, maybe thinking God was going to use the fires to bring the community to church. And what we discovered was God was using the fires to bring the church
1: back to the community. Oh, I love that. I love that. We are a sent people, after all. Yes, we are. Oh, I love that. Um, So, so Adam, if we kind of back up just a little bit in your narrative, in your journey, um, where did you intersect with Soul Care, and how did that kind of impact you?
0: Man, Soul Care came at such a significant time for me. I um, began Soul Care, I believe, in the fall of 2018. Okay. And so um I had been you know as rosy as I make everything sound um just the the sense of urgency and the the amount of need as a result of the wildfires mm. was massive. Mm. you know we talk about compassion fatigue, and yeah so. I'm, you know, a year in Mm -hmm. to just running so hard, doing so much, going to bed, you know, aware of the need and that, uh, you know, there were so many people trying to get home, so many people trying to find some sort of normalcy in their life. And, um, Mm -hmm. so you know, I think I was probably in danger of burnout and Mm -hmm. and frankly too. Um, it was, you know, part of the journey out of being the senior pastor. There was a lot of identity issues Mm -hmm. for me in that as well. And so, um, I just was a really good candidate for Mm -hmm. what soul care offers and had a framework. You know, we may talk a little bit later about the contemplative, but I had a framework for some of it. So there was, a sense of appreciation for it, but um, I just, I, I would just so look forward to our time together, and it wasn't just the content; it was the culture. Hmm. It was, it was the the restorative, lavish, generous um, nature of uh, those times. It was the the relational. Um, encouragement and the content encouragement. And I just, you know, every year I am recommending people from Mm. my community to come and take part in it because I just know not only how much it meant to me, but um, how needed it is for people in ministry. So that was my experience. And and like I said, I think um, it, it was just a huge gift from God, especially in the season that it came for me with um, all of the output that had been taking place.
1: Yeah. I mean, you'd come through, you know, just a deep and prolonged crisis. And of course, who could have known that in a couple more years you'd be leaning into a worldwide pandemic with, along with everyone else. But, but that it sounded like there was one God had prepared you, just as I hear in your story, Adam, how God prepared you for the initial work you did of uh you know growing up in a home where there was a lot of experiences with different kinds of churches and 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 ministries and so that prepared you to to do the work you did in ministry right after college but then that prepared you for the work you did even beyond the pastoring work you had done in santa rosa and just this thread of god sort of preparing you for these next seasons and and so I think it sounds like even within soul care, there was a sense of the, some of the contemplative p- practices or pathways. Those were already somewhat familiar to you, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, they were. You know, as I mentioned earlier, just my uh, gravitation towards seeing people, uh, you know, in this this framework of spiritual formation and this framework of discipleship. And um, I, I think you know, going back to what I was sharing earlier on my childhood, I think being exposed to maybe a broader um, cross section of the Mm -hmm. body of Christ than Mm -hmm. many, uh, you know, I knew that there were different ways of worshiping. There Mm. were different prayer practices out there. There were different emphases in, in terms of how people related to the scripture. And so I think all of that was really conducive as I became more exposed to uh, contemplative Christianity to feel like, Hey, um, there's a bigger menu than most people are mm. ordering off of, mm. you know, and, and we can expand the palette a little bit here. And, and frankly, you know, I, I began to also just get a little frustrated with some of the ineffectiveness that we've seen at times mm. as, as we've looked to help people who sincerely want to grow in their relationship with Jesus. Um, but, but kind of plateau out mm-hmm. and, and so, yeah, all of those things created questions in me. And, um, and so in that transition in 2017, the year before I started, um, soul care, uh, I, I began to already lean in this direction and, and began to attend workshops and, mm-hmm. uh, be engaged in, in programs that were, um, you know, exploring contemplative Christianity. Yeah.
1: Can you, can you give an example of a, a practice that maybe was something you were already leaning into before soul care, but that just resonated or, or, um, you know, was, um, just God used.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot, you know, I think taking two, um, better known practices within contemplative Christianity, you know, I think the, the examine the examine uh it's funny uh, different ways of saying it so sure. the examine uh you know that type of um just reflection on the, this you know i'm a a huge uh huge believer in the fact that god is active and involved in our lives mm. in a near now and noticeable way right mm. that, that we don't live in a deistic reality but i think there's so much pressure even for people who know that's know that uh, deistic theology is is not you know uh, reflective of the the reality we're constantly challenged to feel like god's far away mm-hmm. and so having a practice like the examine where where we're really looking at um you know god where were you moving? Where were you leading? Ah, Was I being responsive to you in the moment? And, and doing it not in a context of condemnation. Mm -hmm. In fact, really there's a framework with the examine primarily that's gratitude and thanksgiving. And so, you know, that, that would be a great example where my prayer life grew. Um, but also, you know, just that, that sense of paying more attention, being more aware Mm -hmm. to the presence of God. And, and, you know, likewise, I would say Lectio Divina Mm -hmm. in, you know, Hebrews four talking about the word of God being living and active. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lectio Divina, I think is a a type of engagement of the scripture that, that believes that the word of God is living and active rather Mm -hmm. than me trying to be the knife that's cutting up the Bible to, mm. you know, study the word and and to make these things. And, and I'm all for that type of Bible study. But I think often it, sometimes it puts us in the framework of being the ones who are working on the word rather than inviting the word to be the thing that, that works on us. Yeah. And so I think Lectio Divina, where we're we're taking a short passage of scripture and we're engaging with it in a way where we're we're assuming it's living and active and we're consenting Mm. for it to begin to work in us and on us. Um, Mm, just hugely influential for me.
1: So good. If you're listening and you're not familiar with these two particular practices, one, there's lots of resources out there on them. Examine is simply or examine, however you pronounce it is a, um, It's practiced in different ways. Often it's done at the either beginning or end of a day. It can be practiced at any time. But really to reflect back over a particular period, usually a day or so, and as Adam said, often starts with reflecting on gifts or gratitude of the day, but then to notice, where was I aware of God's presence or activity, or where was he stirring? Where was I not aware? Where was I, you know, moving away, in a sense, towards God? Maybe not consciously so, but just disconnected. And again, lots of ways to practice, ex- examine, and it's a, it's a way of paying attention to our life, because that's where God shows up. And then, uh, and then the other practice of lectio divina is what Adam said is uh, it's taking shorter segments of scripture, sometimes just a couple of verses, and just uh, sort of chewing on them, if you will, and letting a, ver- a word or two or a phrase just emerge from that text as God's speaking to us through His word in a, often a more personal and um, and and maybe just a a more reflective way as opposed to study which is great it's a way of just letting the the text encounter us and god just speak to us however he wants to so a couple of great examples of 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 practices i'm Um, pretty
0: impressed with those summaries oh boy nailed it (laughs)
1: there's another practice actually that you've been introducing to me and to us that I'm excited to, to lean into in our conversation now. And that is this idea of walking or I don't, I don't have, I'm not sure if you use it to use the term prayer walking or just walking or how, how do you describe it?
0: Yeah. So prayer walking has, um, some, some already associations with it, right? Yes. So I'm still wrestling with that. I've, okay. You know, I, I talk about a uh, prayerful walking, mm. uh, kinetic contemplation
1: Ooh, uh, so that's there's a, good a one.
0: number of different descriptions but yeah it's this element of um, recognizing that actually movement in particular in particularly walking um, can be part of a regular contemplative uh, practice or practices in our life and so I'm, I'm working with um, all sorts of exercises and experiences. Of course, the the historically probably the the best known uh, contemplative walking exercise would be pilgrimage, mm. um, and and that's you know not just quote unquote historical, but um, it's biblical. It, mm-hmm. It's something that Jesus practiced uh, on a regular basis throughout his life, and so. Um, you know, I'm not inventing this, but, um, I am, there's a a ton to learn around it. And I think what, you know, apart from looking at the influence, uh, at different points in my life where now I see the hand of God moving me in this direction, I would say that I think what really grabbed my attention was just that the number one illustration of a faithful life with God in the Bible is the word walk. Yeah. Um, we're to walk in faith, we're to mm. walk in the light, we're, you know, to walk in wisdom, we're, you know, uh, all, of, all of these different, certainly to walk with God was, was, uh, a, a descriptor of righteous yeah. men and women. So that really began to intrigue me mm. to think, Hey, maybe there's more than just a metaphor here for us. And, and we could take it a little more seriously.
1: Yeah, in fact, isn't uh, the Greek word parapeteo is like as you walk around, right? And that was a that was really considered basically a synonym with a, a life with God is That's as right. you're walking around, right?
0: That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, I and I love this. In fact, we recently had a Soul Care alumni retreat, and Adam led. Uh, you led us in a couple of different exercises. Um, that were just uh, really impactful, and we're going to go ahead and link to a practice mm-hmm. or two on yeah. our show notes. I just love saying show notes like this is a really uh, high end show, but uh, but I anyway, um, we will link to those because these are just wonderful. Uh, op- I I again, I'll just be honest. So just really candid, I went the first day that went to. The, I was excited about this, but I was like also hesitant. I'll be honest, so, like. Yeah, you know, I walk and I don't know, we'll see how this if uh, you know, because frankly, I'm pretty ADD. I get distracted easily and I'm thinking I'm going to be all over the place. But Adam gave us this exercise of just noticing. First just notice your own body. And I'll just say this. The first thing I noticed was as after I settled for just a moment into walking and again, I had nowhere to go that I needed to be. I had I had time and yet I just noticed I'm rocking really fast. Yeah. I'm in a hurry. Why am I in... There's no need. Why am I in a hurry? So I just noticed, I'm in a hurry. And then you would encourage us to think about, well, let your thought turn towards God. What What do you... What comes up for you as you think about God, who God is? And just out of that time, what hit me was, God is not in a hurry. God is never in a hurry. He's not in a hurry to get anywhere, and he... And so, and then you invited us to think. Okay, so I am God is, and kind of then a, is God saying something to me uh, out of this this brief walk, and and I felt like God was just it was really simple but very clear that came out of that was, uh, maybe I don't maybe God is saying I don't need to be in such a hurry, hmm. maybe God is inviting me to slow down, and uh, I've been mindful of that honestly it's been a month or so I don't know and. Been mindful of that, and I catch myself going, "What in such a hurry all the time?" And yet, but there was something about the walking. It wasn't just I just sat and had these thoughts. I there was something about physical movement, and and combining that with an intentionality around uh, reflection. Can you speak more about that? What What is it that about our physical movement and and spiritual life? What What are you finding there?
0: So. Yeah, just before I answer that question, I I just think, man, what you experienced, what you just shared, so meaningful Mm. and um, so much. Why I am being drawn into this, why Mm. I'm being engaged in this way, because of just those sort of experiences. Um, You know, if if I could, I'd just say that you know I was talking earlier about the the creation narratives, you know, Mm. in, in Genesis, and one of the things that's interesting is you've got you know, the forming of the place and the filling of the place mm-hmm. and then the talking of the movement, right? The, mm. It talks about how the stars move and why and it talks about the, the birds and the fish swimming and, and when it talks about the creation of the land, all the creeping things. And mm. and then when it talks about the uh, creation of, you know, man and woman, it's interesting because different than in the other pattern, it doesn't talk about how we move. Mm. The first mention of walking in the Bible Is Genesis 3.8. It's the mention of God walking Mm. in the garden. Mm. And, you know, I I feel like, um, you know, part of the messaging in that is that that walking in the way we do, we know anthropologically, right, that that this sets us apart. How we move, how we walk sets us apart from the rest of creation. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think in the in the context of scripture that um, that walking the way that we do. Is part of image bearing. Hmm. Um, that it's actually an expression of the unique place that um, God has given us and the unique relationship that He desires to have with us. And and we know from you know especially what we're seeing with a lot of the uh, advancements and you know our scientific understanding that walking has a, a amazing capacity not only to impact our physical life but our mental life our Mm -hmm. emotional life Mm -hmm. i guess what i'm saying is it's also significant to our spiritual life Mm -hmm. so what i'm discovering is uh how conducive how complementary walking is as an activity to a lot of the things that um spiritual formation practices that contemplative practices are after how it um helps us to disengage from the pace of our culture, Mm. how it, um, causes us to be, um, more aware of, um, God in Mm. our lives and in Mm. the world. Um, and, and and frankly too, you know, I feel like, um, you know, there's some really wonderful work being done right now, just, uh, talking about embodiment, Mm. about incarnation, uh, Christianity is an embodied faith. I look at you know probably the two most agreed upon sacraments, right across the different expressions of Christianity are baptism and communion and they're mm-hmm. both embodied practices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you know, in a culture where they say some say sitting is the new smoking, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like um, like walking with holy intent is um, an incredible way to, uh, invest in a holistic spiritual formation to uh, step into the scripture. So, for example, um, you know, there's no reason why you can't do Lectio Divina, uh-huh. especially with only one or two verses, why you can't, you know, put it on a little sheet of paper. And rather than sitting and doing a Lectio Divina, walking uh-huh. and doing a Lectio Divina, um, and this has been the fun of the exercises. I know one yeah. of the exercises we also did at that time was just looking at Proverbs 24 and, you know, basically the, the author says, Hey, I went for a walk and while yeah. I was walking, you know, God gave me this amazing life lesson. Hmm. And, and so, um, you know, it, it's been really enriching, uh, yeah. to, to begin to practice this, begin to explore this and uh, see God meet me.
1: Well, and I think, To what you're describing, I mean, there's so much there. There's just such a depth of richness here. And one of the things you're even describing is, is just paying attention. I mean, again, you know, the pace of life, as you said, the, the, the disconnection we often have from the created world, um, you know, these days it's actually, sometimes I I get kind of um, self-pitying about it because my, my dog gets up really early. And so then pretty soon I've got to take him out for a walk or he's going to drive me crazy. But as I've, in, instead of just feeling sorry for myself that I'm having to be up and out so early, I've, I've even after this walking uh, practice we did, I found myself just trying to pay more attention. Yes. As I climbed the hill over behind our house and I just see um, uh, wildflowers blooming that I would just wasn't paying attention to and I was disconnected from in the busyness of just I don't know being in the office or wherever I am. Uh, there, this it just connects us again to God's good creation. What a, what a gift that is.
0: It's huge. And I think you, you know, you've identified something so important, which is just, you know, when we, when we slow down, when we move, but we slow down, uh, we notice and see things hmm. in such a different way. Um, you know, one of the prayer practices that, uh, that I found really rich and we enjoyed practicing it together, uh, at this retreat was this six-step prayer? Yeah, tell us um, about this one. And and so this is based on the you know it's connected in uh, with uh, two passages of scripture. One is the Lord's Prayer, which mm-hmm. we're well aware of, and and there's there's you could probably break it up in different ways, but uh, six really clear segments in the Lord's Prayer and the story of David with his desire to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, and this mm-hmm. was kind of symbolic of his desire that God's presence would fill his city. Hmm. And, um, and so in his desire to bring the ark of the covenant in, uh, they put it on a cart, which is kind of how the Philistines had been moving it around for a while. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you read the text in, in second Samuel six or the text in Chronicles about this same story, uh, you see, it doesn't work out that well, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, Uzzah dies. And, um, and so, you know, there's a diversion, mm. but, uh, over time, that desire that David has just won't go away. And, and so, you know, he explores the scripture and says, Hey, uh, God already told us how he wants the ark moved. Mm. He wants it walked, he mm. wants it walked in on the shoulders of the priests. Mm. And so it's interesting, right? Mm. Um, it, it's this, this in a broader context, it's talking about, Hey, method matters sometimes, mm. mm-hmm. but in a very practical way it's also saying movement matters Mm. sometimes. And in this case, you know, again, being image bearers, part of the expression of the priestly ministry, this unique way that we're designed to move with God in his presence. It was, it was reminiscent of Genesis three, eight, that, that God wants to walk with us. Mm. He wants his presence dwelling with us in that way. And so honestly, I think a lot of life and ministry can, we, we can get tempted to do stuff in carts hmm. and we're moving fast. We're leveraging stuff, but you see different, you respond different. You impact the environment around you differently as you slow down, as you walk. And so the six step prayer is, you know, it, it's really designed out of this desire. It's important that we slow down. I am all for Sabbath. I'm all for stillness. I'm all for just sitting quietly and listening to God. But I recognize for me that in a world of broken movement, the answer to broken movement is not only stillness. It's, it's healthy movement. It's Mm -hmm. learning how to move in the world in a better way. And so I find these contemplative walking prayer practices, these prayer practices where I'm investing in learning how to move Mm -hmm. in a different way. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus says, in Matthew 11, 28, and 29, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But then he also says, take my yoke upon mm-hmm. you. And a yoke is actually an instrument for movement. He's saying, mm-hmm. come move with me. Learn, learn how to restore. I'll give you rest, but now let me restore for you the ability to move in the way you were designed mm-hmm. to move.
1: Mm. So much is, and is you know, begin reflecting on this as you've been... You know, kind of un- unlock this, if you will, for um, my thinking and others. I, it is the, even this, the scripture says, keep in step with the Spirit, right. right? This That's idea right. Of, of walking with and walking with God. Um, but, but it is a walk, it's not just sitting. And, and this may be really great news for some of the folks that are listening that are like, I don't sit still well. Right. I don't, I, I struggle with that. And again, sometimes it's still a good thing to practice, but maybe freeing to realize, you know, I can actually connect with God as I walk just to do it with intention. Right.
0: That's exactly right. Hmm. Yeah. And I think for, you know, for all of us, um, you know, the pace of life I think can, can be sometimes, or the amount of information can really be overwhelming for us. And, um, and so it's good sometimes just to, to unplug and to just take off right mm-hmm. and and you know it has a way over time of just things peel back uh and and maybe god gets our attention with something i also think sometimes you know having a structure part of the reason mm-hmm. why i'm developing the, this whole variety of of prayer practices or exercises for people is to give a little bit of encouragement in a particular direction. And, Mm -hmm. and that's what I'm finding, you know, that people appreciate is that by, um, kind of laying a foundation, usually connected to something in the scripture and, and then giving something to focus on. It's creating a space for people. But, um, frankly in, you know, we need to grow in this, but frankly, you know, a lot of times when we'll sit and try and pray, um, You know, just the pace of life, our mind just is racing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's all of Mm -hmm. our energy just to put other thoughts out. Mm. And there is something about walking that Mm. the nature of it uh, creates... an aid for us and yeah. actually focus and awareness. So sometimes I think for people who are maybe struggling just to get still, mm-hmm. walking can be a bridge yeah. where they can maybe start with doing some of these things in a context of walking and that begins to slow them down. So then they're ready to sit and mm-hmm. be a little bit less frenetic.
1: again, like you said, biblical, uh, in, you know, goes back to old Testament, you know, journeying to Jerusalem several times a year for the people of God. And, um, and then, you know, in our day, it's interesting. Now we have these Camino, the Camino de Santiago, right. Where that actually goes back hundreds of years, but it's kind of becoming really trendy and cool to, which, and frankly, I'd love to do it, you know, do a long journey. Um, but you're doing one that, you know, if, if people aren't, aren't able or ready to, you know, hop on a plane, and go to Spain, uh, or France or wherever, um, you're doing something here in, uh, in Northern California. Talk, talk a little bit about what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I'm really excited. It's called the Camino de Sonoma Mm. and it is a six day, 75 mile. I mean, people can do it in different pace, but a six day, 75 mile walk from the mission that's in the city of Sonoma, to hmm. fort ross hmm. so you know uh, obviously my you know my appreciation of walking and and pilgrimage in itself uh is meaningful but uh for me but you know context is important usually any any pilgrimage you know there's a reason why mm-hmm. you're walking where you're walking mm-hmm. and for us i think one of the interesting elements for us in sonoma county and here in the bay area is that um you know, there's, there's a lot of history here mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I find really intriguing as mm. it relates to just the, the story of um, how God's at work in the world and the Christian faith. And mm. so the mission in Sonoma is the last mission of the 21 missions that go up the California coast. Mm. And um, it has its own history that that's pretty intriguing. But... Um, Fort Ross was actually the first establishment in Sonoma County. Um, it's been in the news recently because it was actually founded by the Russians. Oh. And so the first church in Sonoma County was actually the chapel there at Fort Ross. Of course, um, that was a Eastern Orthodox church. Mm. So you have this really interesting element, uh, you know, from a national framework where you've got um, Spain and then Mexico Founding the the mission mm-hmm. uh, in Sonoma and Russia, the fort mm. at Fort Ross. But what you also had was the Catholic Church or the Western arm of the Church there in Sonoma, and mm-hmm. and the Orthodox or Eastern arm of the Church at Fort Ross. So, starting in Jerusalem, the two arms of the Church go in opposite directions mm. around the world, in both lands sixty miles apart from one another as their furthest extension. Wow. So we're inviting people to step into that gap it's a it's a you know god meets people in extraordinary ways but from a context standpoint it's it's uh, a walk that is a walk designed for us to consider healing to consider mm. connection to step into the gaps right mm. uh, in the context of our culture here there's all the overlay of colonization as well and mm-hmm. so it's Uh, God, how have you designed men to live together in the earth? You know, Mm -hmm. I'm saying that in general, men and women, Mm -hmm. people to live together in the earth. And um, what Mm. is your heart for the way that the church is to bring peace to the nations? Mm. And What is it to step into these historic divides and see healing to see connection? And so, um, you know, we're finding that, um, many different types of people are being drawn to come and, mm. um, and walk for all sorts of different reasons, transitions in their own life or grieving something or, or just working mm. something through. Um, but there, there's something that happens when we go on these long journeys. We know this, um, mm-hmm. history has, has mm-hmm. uh, shown it to us. And so having something, you know, like this close, Uh, here in the Bay Area, I think it's been a great resource. We've had a lot of people who have just done one leg at a time. You know, each leg's about 12 miles. Okay, And um, so people are engaging with it in many different ways. But um, I'm finding it to be a a really neat resource and a really neat context for people to encounter God.
1: I love this. Um, In fact, I really... My wife and I have been talking about wanting to do this. It, it, so, Adam, if people want to find out more about th- this particular yeah. the pilgrimage themselves, where where would they go in, online? Yeah, so, we
0: have a website. Mm-hmm. It's camino de Okay, and uh, you can sign up for um, kind of our communications list. We've got a roughly monthly newsletter that will go out. It lets people know when the upcoming walks are. There's no charge to walk the Camino mm. de Sonoma. Um, right now, um, you you could walk it yourself. The The route is available on all trails and mm. um, we can help people connect to that. Um, we do, um, you know, love the opportunity to, to guide groups yeah. um, on this walk. And that's been a great experience. So uh, in the future, we hope to have uh, audio curriculum so people mm. can set their own pace, but can still benefit from uh, learning a little bit about the history and the ecology and, and, um, maybe be invested in with some, some spiritual exercises as
1: they journey. Oh, I love this. This is so good. And, um, and, and are you doing some writing on, on the walking piece? Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm currently,
0: uh, working in a number of configurations to kind of get these walking exercises written and, and have been really grateful for opportunities to share those and happy for them to be part of the show notes. Mm. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, there's just a lot here to be mm-hmm. able to write about. Uh, I do have a book that I'm working on, and I, love I, it. I can't, I can't uh, say definitively about the publisher yet, but I'm hope, hopeful about that, and, and hopefully we can say that more officially later. But mm. um, yeah, I think there's there's so much there. Um, like I said, this is this is a primary metaphor. So much in the scripture, in and around it, and so um, you know, I'm finding that that, uh, it's a target rich environment uh, mm-hmm. to be able to write about. And, um, the timing is really good. I, I really believe that, um, that this just matches well, um, some of the types of resources that people are looking for to, um, enhance their relationship with God yeah. and to bring, Um, more livable pace to their lives Mm -hmm. and like you said to to get out and appreciate the beauty of the world around us
1: yeah so many things I just uh even as you said that reminded of you know when we were in those early days of lockdown and uh, my wife and I were at home and you know and so we would just have our daily walks and we would walk for about a couple of miles and even as you talked about like oh I miss I miss that you know you get back to doing life and know there was something about it and and both you know in in the sense of side by side community but then those individual walks i know uh there's just a lot here and um i'm one i'm excited to see this book come out whenever that happens Yes, thank you and um and excited for people to to taste some of these exercises and we'll as you said we'll link to those but adam just thank you thank you for the gift of Uh, not only these resources and your own journey, but the work you're doing to continue to strengthen the church in Sonoma County and beyond. And um, just thanks for making time to be with us today.
0: Thank you, Richard. It's it's been fantastic. Thank you. Awesome.
1: Thank you for joining us for today's conversation. If you found it helpful, feel free to share this podcast with others and subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you found us, and give us a rating. We'd really appreciate that as well. Again, if we can serve you as part of Wellspring, we are here to serve the church, both its leaders and people in whatever ways we can. So go to wellspringca.org to see what resources we have to offer and how you can be served by them. Go to our Facebook page, just search Wellspring on Facebook, and you'll see lots of resources there as well. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, grace and peace.